0: memories in this basement. I did not know this is where we were doing this.
1: Oh, there's memory? You have memories here? Yeah. Are we rolling?
2: Apparently it was here way back in the
1: day. Are we rolling? All right. Holly Miranda.
2: Hey.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Great to see you.
0: You too.
1: So, uh, you got memories down here.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) Um, so when I first moved to New York, I think it was I was 16, and it was 98, and I had made this four-song demo um, back in Michigan, and I'd printed, i pressed, I'd burned, like, 40 CDs. Uh-huh. I printed these labels that had my face on them okay. <laughs> and pressed them onto the CDs. <laughs> I lived in Weehawken, New Jersey, and I was so poor.
1: You moved to Weehawken from my Detroit? My sister
0: lived in Weehawken, oh. So, oh, so I, like, rented, I rented a couch. No, she lived there for, like, a year, mm-hmm. and then she moved to L.A. I, like, rented a couch for a year. Um, and so I had just How enough money. That? I think it was like 300 bucks or something. My sister's not that nice. So <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> Sorry, the other one is, okay. um, but <laughs> so I like had just enough money to get into the city to take the bus to, uh, you know, port authority, take the subway down. And then I had a map it was like before cell phones, I had a map of every venue uh-huh. and I was just going to walk to every venue and put my CD yeah. in the mailbox. Like wow. that was my plan. I didn't know what to do so i slid one under the door when this was brownies
1: okay and then
0: yeah and then i (laughs) I got home and i didn't know what to do then like i was so shy i had such horrible stage fright i was so shy i tried to convince my sister to call and follow up on the cds but she wouldn't do it i never called on a single cd yeah
1: i get that because yeah yeah, it's terrifying i
0: was like how do i sell myself is that the end of the story no and so then like Three years later, I was, I had a fake ID, I had a DJ night here, I was like 19, and Studo, who owned it at the time, we come down here to smoke a joint, and we're in the office, and he's looking at me, and he's like, and he starts digging through a pile of CDs, and pulls out the CD with my face on it, uh-huh. and I was like, why didn't you ever call? No one ever called about this. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah Yeah, it's hard being an artist like that because uh yeah you're just grappling with your self-esteem and it's like this thing it's like representative so much it's Mm -hmm. like you can kind of it's like my friend uh liam he called like when talking about an inst on instagram sometimes you put a post out there throwing the grenade in the room and then just like not checking back Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that almost but the old school way of doing that yeah here you go here you go and you want somebody to like approach you but no one ever does you gotta like get mm-hmm. after it
0: yeah i just wanted to play more shows i was just playing the sidewalk cafe i think every every week so is that like <laughs>
1: around the jeff buckley time or was that post jeff buckley I think it was or like just post post jeff buckley yeah so you're old school new york really
0: yeah 98 yeah i guess it's 20 years now my god
1: yeah that's <laughs> why where do you live now
0: no, i'm in chelsea i mean i've been oh, so all you're, over you're here I'm here for now,
1: yeah. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. How do you like it?
0: Um, I love it here. I mean, this is my home.
1: How long have you been here since then?
0: Since then, I had like a short stint in LA. You went to LA. I, I
1: had LA I go, a couple I keep, years. I keep trying to go. <laughs> I keep trying to move to LA. It never yeah. takes. Yeah, I don't. I know. just end up being doing winters in LA. Mm-hmm. And thinking and making plans to move there. Yeah. And then I never do because yeah. I come back here, and this city just. I don't know what it is about this city, though. Mm-hmm. It's hard to leave.
0: Yeah. I go to Ibiza now instead of L.A. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What's that like? Um, it's great. I mean, I'm nowhere near, like, the Ibiza that you think of when you when you hear, like, Ibiza. I feel like it's, like, four on the floor. Yeah, nowhere near that world. All my friends are, like, in their 80s, and we just play backgammon and frisbee and swim in the ocean.
1: That's nice. Yeah. You have, like, a permanent spot out there or?
0: yeah my buddy do you know uh daniel lorca not a surf
1: okay he lives they're there great permanently. Huh? they're awesome they're, they're good great old band. friends
0: yeah so he's been living there full time for a while and every time i go i just get one-way tickets now i just was telling him because yeah i just stay longer and longer because you're smart
1: yeah. yeah i do that with toto santos mexico
0: i've never been to mexico yeah,
1: yeah I, I keep winding up out there yeah that's like my spirit home mm-hmm yeah. I love it out there. So you grew up in the Midwest.
0: I grew up between uh, Detroit and Nashville.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. What was Nashville? Like, Was a parent split kind of situation?
0: No, my, my grandparents are all from Tennessee and they'd all oh. moved to Detroit for work during the war in the factories. Um, and then when I was little, they all went back to Tennessee. So when I was two, we moved back to kind of follow them. So that's where I learned to talk. I talk like this until I was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And then we moved back to Michigan. They sent me to speech therapy. Um, so yeah, To get like rid of your forth. soul?
3: Because
0: you the kids are making fun of me. Oh, yeah. Well, like I mean, it feels way more natural when I talk like this. My jaw I li- relaxes. I, I like it when you like, talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> it <it's> goes like <laughs> with the jean <gene> jacket, too. <laughs> My Canadian tuxedo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, What's that patch?
0: You know... I feel like it's like if James Brown were in The Monkees.
1: Or or if James Brown was a grandma in The Monkees. The Red Hat. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: (laughs) But everybody, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh,
2: So they sent you to speech therapy just because of the accent? Well,
0: the kids were making fun of me. They're like, how old are you? I'm like, tan. They all giggle, you know, so... They, they told my parents I had Sullivan S's, which I still have. You can hear that, like, weird hiss. And that's what they were saying they were getting rid of. Um, and they didn't. They just broke me in my southern accent.
1: How do you deal with that when you're recording vocals? Because S's, <laughs> S's are problematic. You know who's got the greatest S's in the world is Bob Dylan. Do they whistle? Huh? Does, does he? Does or, he? Uh, well, he just enunciates. He's got the best enunciation mm. in in. Singer songwriter dum. What's know? it sound like? I don't know. If you just really <laughs> analyze Bob Dylan the way he you know, he can make an S sound good. It's mm-hmm. hard to do. I don't, I whistle my S's.
0: Yeah, I have yeah. like the I'm like the chipmunk from uh or the wood <laughs> the whistly guy in uh Winnie the Pooh. It's always popping out of the ground, that's what I feel like.
3: <laughs> yeah, the gopher. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. These, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh's going way over my head. I do know the Dow of Pooh. You know the Dow, the
1: Dow of Pooh. Oh, well,
3: I never read it. It's like,
1: what's the best part of the honey? It's like the moment right before it hits your tongue. <laughs> the Dow of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it's so dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> so. Well, that's cool. That's like big musical roots, Detroit and then Nashville. Mm, yeah. So you were destined for this.
0: <clears throat> yeah, my, all my family, uh, they are all musicians, all the Tennessee side. My, my great aunt, my Mimo Duncan's little sister, my Aunt O'Lean Boone, she got called up on stage at the Grand Ole Opry by Loretta Lynn to sing a song when she was 23. And somebody offered her a shot of whiskey and she didn't take it. She's like, no, I'm going to be sober. And got on stage and got stage fright and couldn't sing and never sang another note. And that was like the sort of story I heard of like as far as anyone in my family ever got to actually performing, I guess, on a stage. Um, But I got to play there, the Ryman. and, uh, And I told that story to my friend as I was heading there, my friend Daisy. And she's like, you need to go to every corner of the stage and clap and scream hallelujah and reclaim the energy of the stage for your family. And... I was like opening for someone and there was no time. And then I remembered that she said that. So at the end of the set, I told the story and they turned on the house lights and everyone in the Ryman stood up and clapped and screamed hallelujah. And wow. it was like this, uh, yeah, for felt like a full circle moment for Oline Boone.
1: That's cool. Yeah. You should write a song called Oline Boone. <laughs> that, was the, that was it. The whole thing you yeah. just said was all the <laughs> lyrics.
0: <laughs> oh, she was awesome. What'd she do? She was just rad. I don't know. She was like the only... My family was super Pentecostal. Like, I had to go to church five days a week for 14 years. Really? Um, Real deep. Everybody, cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone. And she was like the only one who wasn't in it. So I'd only see her on, like, holidays. But she'd be outside chain smoking, and I'd go sit by her, and she'd tell me these crazy stories about... Or cat just said her name or how uh you know wow. she was just like far out
1: she was touched
0: she was really yeah
1: you still go to church no no uh-uh. you lost all that or do you still have faith in jesus or anything like that or
0: um no not like that i mean i feel like it gave me a really great foundation for all the fucked up shit that was in it it was like a definitely a, a spark of of connection to spirit mm-hmm. you know of uh, of seeking yeah. um but it that wasn't my bag i tried i tried really really hard to feel what it seemed like everyone around me was feeling um and then i went on a missions trip to belarus when i was 14 and took medical supplies to areas affected by chernobyl and held this children's camp for two weeks and, um, How'd I was get
1: involved in that at 14.
0: I had to raise like five grand. Uh, I just really wanted to go. It was like a missions trip. It was like through some, something with the church, you know, You could do it. So I raised all wow. this money and went and, um, I had the oldest group of kids. So I was 14 and they were about 14 or 15, but they all looked like they were about 10 from the radiation and the cancer and stuff that was in their water and in their bodies. And, um, and I had two interpreters and 30 kids to like myself, uh, And then in the afternoons, it was like a morning, like a breakfast. We'd feed them breakfast, feed them lunch and do some games, like light parables, you know, like I was a mime in a boxing match between the devil and Jesus. Um, But like not a lot of like heavy dogmins. She's full (laughs) of them.
1: I mean, there are lyrics all over this podcast so far, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was a demon. I had to
0: torture like a girl that they were fighting over the soul of. Um <laughs> wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so that was
0: like light stuff and then at night there was an elective like revival service that the kids could come to and get you know hands laid on them and Jesus is going to save you and like wow. the whole nine but in the afternoons they would come to my hotel and I'd go hang out with them all afternoon and they showed me how to climb up in the statue of linen and look out his eyes or like I had a shot of vodka. Wow. They wanted to wear my glasses and you know this was like 2 or 3 weeks we just became friends and I felt like such a hypocrite like I couldn't lay hands on them. Why I couldn't tell them because I just did. I knew it wasn't true.
1: What wasn't true?
0: Just that Jesus was gonna. Their belief in Jesus was gonna change the fact that they all, you know, had cancer. That they're, you know, like just the. It was just a very uh, depressed situation. Like I, I had mothers coming up to me asking me to take their children home with me. You know, we weren't allowed to get about our home address. Like they had people sometimes showing up. You know, so I came home from that missions trip and told my parents i didn't believe in their god
1: (laughs) wow is that what led you to move out when you were young
0: um i was also you know a budding queer in a super religious you know world that right basically you know i started to realize that at like 10 Uh and then was just terrified for the next six years until i yeah left and moved here but it was the first time I came here when I was 15 and I did a little open mic night at the sidewalk cafe that I just was like, oh, these are my people. Right. Like all you weirdos are <laughs> like, yeah. I finally
1: felt. I'm not so queer after all. Yeah, I just felt at home. <laughs>
0: and, and then I just plotted and planned and I saved every penny. And yeah, the next summer I told my parents I was coming back to visit my sister. And I told them I called when I got here. and was like, I'm, I'm
1: not coming home, mom. What'd they say?
0: My mom said, uh, "Oh well, I thought so because you took your Wonder Woman poster off the wall." <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. This is like heartbreaking now. <laughs> <laughs> that is heartbreaking. I'll never, I'll never I, see I, Wonder uh, Woman in the same. Me way. neither. <laughs> i probably. Uh, but how does? I'm just
2: curious. How does a 15-year-old just get up and leave and move to New York City?
0: Um, sister. My sister, oh, lived, sister lived here. Sister was I was here. sixteen. It and was the next summer. She? she was twenty-six, and she so lived here for one so she year. Had a pad. But she moved to LA the, a year later, and then I just stayed. Wow. I stayed
1: still I just, bold.
2: Just thinking as a parent, like the, your child <laughs> just go and live with their twenty-six-year-old sibling, and you're like, okay yeah, see you later? Yeah, I you mean, my 16. sisters were a
0: lot older than me, and they were they had it a lot harder than I did actually. Um, and I feel like by the time I got to me, my parents were like
1: whatever yeah, they were done they were <laughs> yeah. already done they checked out yeah they kind of had <laughs> like it was
0: not, like because I was 10 and my one sister was 17 and it was just her job to like right watch me all the time so I was just hanging out with a bunch of 17 year olds when I was 10 which yeah not the healthiest thing
3: either. right
1: that's funny
0: yeah
1: And then so, but you got your high school degree through like some kind of mail thing or something?
0: I did, uh, my parents found this charter school in Novi, Michigan, um, that was like a Christian charter school. Yeah. And they would let me do it correspondence. So really like every three or four months I would fly back and I would take some tests and I just did the last two years in a, like a year or so.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever go to college? Yeah, me neither. No. I never did either. <laughs> I wish I didn't even graduate high school because it's cooler to sound like you just like, oh, I dropped out.
0: Oh, my gosh. I had to try to, <laughs> this like sound healing program I just did. They wanted to see my diploma. Are you I'm kidding? Like,
1: For sound healing? Yeah,
0: I was like, dude,
1: <laughs> I don't know where the hell that thing might live. <laughs> That's so funny. It's
0: like an accredited school and they're trying to, you know.
1: So you're doing sound healing?
0: I don't know. I just did a semester.
1: I is that just, like breath work or is that
0: something else? Um, no. No, I did learn some about breath work, but yeah. only because of some of the other mantras students that were like, in it. Yeah, we had a it, lot of classes on mantras. I love
1: mantras. I'm obsessed with mantras. I really
0: am on the Om Namah Shivaya right now.
1: What, uh, that's your mantra right now?
0: Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm are you not supposed to say it out loud? Oh, no, I, don't,
1: <laughs> I don't know the rules. I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting enlightened by YouTube you know yeah i'm into Ho'oponopono. just mm-hmm. i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i do that one yeah. a lot but also like scream brazil mm-hmm. scream brazil yeah. dr pilauer uh, do you know that guy Mm-mm. Oh, uh, yeah. And mm,
0: So there's seed clean. sounds. I don't know. Yeah, so you're doing the seed sounds. So for every uh, mantra, like mm-hmm. Ganesh, the seed sound is gum. gum. And basically, that seed sound contains the meaning of seed the sound. whole thing. There's like, uh, yeah. And oh. in, in Qigong, you have different seed sounds and in mantras.
1: And what's Qigong?
0: Pigong is the, the Chinese study of, of energy movement. So they have sounds for like your spleen, sounds for your liver, oh, sounds okay. for your heart. Uh, yeah. You know, and a lot of like the movements like you see uh, people in Tompkins mm-hmm. uh, late at Oh, night okay, like shorts. Tai Chi
1: almost. Yeah. Or it is kind of a form of Tai Chi. I think it is. Yeah.
0: But I'm just learning too. But yeah, this yeah. this thing felt like an overview really. Like I had like a, a weekend intensive on sacred geometry. <laughs> you know, a weekend intensive on tuning forks. One class just on om, uh, OM, so it was like a lot of stuff where like I don't feel qualified to do anything, <laughs> you know, but now I'm like, what do I want to learn more about Is sort of the...
1: I feel like we should just do some mantras right now and just mm-hmm. get everybody into the okay. zone. Ready? Yeah. You go. OM.
2: F- uh, it's foreign to me. I don't but know. But you can either. feel it, though. Yeah, like,
1: I, r- my eyes r- <laughs> and I was like,
0: I was mm-hmm.
2: in a <laughs> oh. Have
0: you ever seen the Cymetics of Ohm? No. I, it oh. makes a circle when you look at it. And, oh, really? You know what you do, like the sand with okay. the sound? Oh, going yeah. Through?
1: Well, I've seen like 432, right? You mm-hmm. know, 432? Mm hmm. Right? Like, when, uh, like um, the original
0: like, tuning, the spirits. Tune.
1: I guess, like, yeah, like, because this normal music's on 440. Mm hmm. But if you tune it to 432. Mm hmm. Um, then it's more pretty.
0: It sounds amazing. I've just played a piano that was tuned to four thirty two and it like oh it sounds so right. It's I just better. bought a flute. I bought a flute that's in four thirty two.
3: <laughs> Listen, I
1: had I had a Steinway Vertigram from nineteen twelve. I got it tuned it to four thirty two. And I had it tuned like that in my studio for a year Mm -hmm. and recorded like that. And so I got tons of (laughs) recordings, all 432. And it would just bum people out when they'd come over. And I'd be like, nope, you got to tune everything to 432.
0: It feels better, though. It does. And I think it's part of like the just intonation tuning. Uh, You know, like the harmonic structure of sound, how harmony happens.
1: I don't. I don't.
0: So, you know, when you're, when you're singing or playing a note, depending on the timbre, the, the purity of the sound, like let's say a crystal bowl, you hit okay. it and it's a G, you're going to hear a lot of other notes in that, oh right? right? All the harmonics and the overtones mm-hmm. are coming together.
1: Yeah, the overtones when mm-hmm. it's 432 are off mm-hmm. the chain. Because it's they just intonation, because c- yeah. it's the same as
0: nature, because that's how sound happens in nature is through uh, just intonation, which is, so you start with your, your root note uh-huh. and then you cut that in half. That's the first harmony, which would be an octave and then you cut that into thirds, and then it's the fifth above that, and then you cut that into fourths, and it's the third above that, you cut into fifths, and it's like, so it goes on and on, and that's how harmony occurs. So if you have a C, you're hearing a C, the C octave, and then the G, and then so on. But this formula, which is like A times two, A times three, A times four, is the same formula for the distance between the planets and our solar system.
3: Hmm. It's
0: the same formula for the weight of the vertebrae in our spine. It's the same formula for the distance between the, the shells, the electro shells in an atom, the lines of nitrogen. So essentially everything from micro to macro is it, seeking harmony.
1: When it's in 432 or just, just in just general? Just
0: anything, but 432 is like the, the note or the tuning that for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years was what was happening before we decided everything had to be equal tempered so we could all play together and we changed it all to 440.
1: Okay. Yeah, I thought it had something to do with Nazis ten- changing it to 440. It might I swear, be. That's no, what I, I my teacher I had know. a lot of <laughs> I conspiracy heard that, theories. <laughs> like like <laughs>
0: separating from nature is probably a big, a big chunk of it.
1: Yeah, like, I don't. Keeping
0: us separate.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love conspiracy theories. Oh,
0: me too.
1: I mean, I could go on and on. Oh, me too. Just let me know when you want to talk about the moon landing.
0: Oh, the moon landing. <laughs> yes, no, I grew up with the
2: like. Moon no, landing. A, <laughs> no, 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 Have you done research about the moon landing? <laughs>
0: I don't know a ton. I just think it's he fun. He has.
1: No, I mean, it's Tell like me. on YouTube. It's fun.
0: That it was just, that it was I a believe hoax. it happened. We'll
1: I don't know. Yeah. No, Here, I, okay, have a, I have a
0: driver that picks me up in Detroit who's a flat earther. And yeah. we spend 45 minutes talking about too. the moon, but he believes that's part Flat of earth it.
1: is fascinating, too. Mm-hmm. I, the, my theory is, I don't know. I don't know what the nature of reality is. Like I look at it like Elon Musk says this is a. Uh, he said there's one in billions of a chance that this isn't a simulation. This whole thing, the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. That's Elon Musk says that. So I
0: think it absolutely is.
1: So if if this is a simulation, then all bets are off to what any. It's a what a digital r- realm that we're in mm-hmm. already. So mm-hmm. then, it could be anything. <clears throat> I just like not knowing and I like exploring. I think it's fun, I th- you know. I think like people that feel like they have to know what everything is is like, mm-hmm. I don't think we know
2: mm-hmm. as
1: much as we say we know or think we know. And I don't know, I don't think you can fully claim to know. Whether you're a flat earther or a round earther or moon landing or non-moon landing, it's like, come on, do you really know? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's fun to explore. My theory.
2: I've never looked into the flat Earth thing. What's the main, uh, like, what are they? What's their claim to the whole flat Earth thing? Um,
0: I I'm not entirely sure. I only know this from like this family friend who always picks me up at the airport. Who's an Uber driver, and I just find it fascinating. So I just ask him questions.
1: Me too. And I find it fascinating <laughs> too. <laughs> his reasons. His okay, his
0: <laughs> reasons are, well, he believes that the Earth is kind of like God's side table, and like if you go to the ends, you'll hit. Um, like a wall, right, which I've well, tried to explain to him. Like you, you can go to like Patagonia
1: and. Like, are you allowed a to go to Antarctica? <laughs> <though>? <laughs> yeah, <go> to Antarctica. <laughs> are you allowed to go? Like, I don't know. have you been to Antarctica? No, I, I don't know. I haven't. I mean, I watched
0: like the Werner Herzog, you know, <laughs> but like that's as right. close I've gotten to Antarctica. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, he wants to know why, um, if it's flat, why do we have to? Something about flying. Like, why do we have to go up and go down, or why wouldn't yeah. we just go straight across? The other thing is why uh, why don't they ever do a three sixty in spaceships was one of his questions, uh, like a three sixty reveal. Well,
1: apparently too, you can see a lighthouse from forty two miles away, and you shouldn't be able to if mm-hmm. with the curvature a of the curve. stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff once you start uh-huh. once That's you start going. It is interesting. It's not as clear cut as. <laughs> and the other thing I find funny is that anytime you bring it up people that won't like want to stick with the nature of reality as we have been taught for are just like there's like all of a sudden you're a fucking idiot you know like the the outrage against anybody questioning the nature of reality is so extreme that seems to me like that is a little bit like perplexing to me like why is why do people get so upset at people that uh, question things it's the same with like religion. what's wrong when with questioning
2: question religion, then you get the same outrage
1: i but i don't understand the outrage of questioning religion i don't either <laughs> i mean i you know to me i believe in a creator my reason tells me that something can't come from nothing so to me it seems reasonable to believe in a creator it, and my heart tells me that, too. However, if you don't believe in a creator, that's fair enough. I don't care. You might be right. Like, I don't know for sure. It's just what I believe. You know? Like, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't understand the outrage back and forth, personally.
0: I think people are scared People to be are scared. uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? And I think not knowing what not they kn- think they know makes them uncomfortable. And think, nobody wants to sit yeah, yeah. in discomfort.
1: And we don't know, though. No, I don't think we no. we clearly don't know. Like there's this clearly a big <coughs> mysterious spectrum going on, you know.
0: I learned last night that the stars of Sirius are yeah. moving at the exact same uh dimensions in a helix that is our DNA.
1: Really? See, I mean stuff like that. Like so there's like obviously a like,
0: universe inside of us. We are our own like, universe in our own me, little like Merkaba that and then to there's c- that <laughs> a
1: creator to me, that kind of stuff. That kind mm-hmm. of symmetry, that kind of like genius in design Mm -hmm. you know from the smallest to the biggest or like you said from the micro to the macro Mm -hmm. the way it's all like a symphony and in harmony to me that just doesn't seem like chaos Mm -hmm. it seems like you know
0: i think it's seeking harmony i think it's like the golden ratio it's never the golden mean is never actually perfect like when you see in nature that things are growing towards the golden ratio that's what they're doing they're growing towards it yeah it's never actually like perfect that's why it's a ratio huh
1: you're you're speaking over my head, but I'm sure somebody <laughs> out there gets it. Hey, Ehud. The other thing, the other thing with the flat Earth thing is, it's really a lot. It is to do with, you know, the conspiracy is the reason why we've flat Earthers would say we've been lied about the nature of our reality is because they, you know, it's 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 kind of belief or disbelief in a God, in a creator. Like if we're in a ball spinning around with an infinite number of galaxies and we're infinitely small and infinitely insignificant in a huge black universe going into a void of nothingness, then each of our human lives are worth like next to what? Nothing. But if this is like the, you know, the center of the universe and everything then it's all of a sudden like uh oh <laughs> there's like somebody paying attention and mm-hmm. each human life matters and we matter and we're powerful so that's the mm-hmm. i feel like that's really the crux of the argument between the two you know so you know on a spiritual level yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. yeah. but it's really all about that patch <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there is a God, I think it looks like that.
0: <laughs> My dad was really into conspiracy theories growing up.
1: I think they're fun. Super,
0: yeah, I heard a lot of, like, love your country, fear your
1: government. That was a yeah. big one in our well, house. I don't, think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's a bad attitude to have. No, no. You know.
0: My dad didn't pay income tax for, like, 13 years. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you sure you should be saying that on a podcast? Yeah, he's, he
0: like public like went and like fought fought for it in court. Oh, okay. You know, like did yeah. the whole. But I grew up with like, you know, IRS, like FBI showing up at our door. Wow. And like, uh, I knew how to assemble an AK-47 on a tripod nice. with a bayonet as like a 10-year-old. It's what me? I did for fun. I thought for sure like the end of the world was going to happen at any point. I was hoarding silver because i knew that dollar bills were just federal reserve notes that had no gold backing and so i had silver under my bed and i would practice every night how quickly i could pack up a bag to like go to the farm in tennessee and like thought everything was gonna go like you know waco style at any right any moment so
1: that's interesting yeah. was it traumatizing
0: <laughs> maybe a little I mean, maybe a little
1: <laughs> maybe a little but it feels like you're prepared now yeah now like, I'm like like it feels like you're zombie
0: re- apocalypse you want me like I'm gonna call <laughs> you <laughs> when <laughs> the shit goes down yeah I'm not uh you know haven't touched a gun in a while but yeah
3: but you know
1: how to if, but if, I know if, how <laughs> if, it, if it happens that's cool so, what else should we talk about? <laughs> where do you go from there? Yeah, where do you go from there? The moon landing. You want to go to the moon landing? <laughs> you don't want to go to the moon landing? I mean, with the moon landing, it is a bit odd that we haven't been back. That's all I'm going to say. It was a long time ago that we went.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Isra- These Israelis just tried to land bit weird. Uh, a spaceship on the moon. They made it like to like... A hundred feet from the moon, and then oh. lost control, and it crashed on the moon, unmanned. Mm, I heard this about big that. thing, like uh, a month or two ago.
1: Oh, so really? Somebody's still trying. Is there footage of that?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, no. You know what? It's all oh. simulated. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, the yeah. I guess so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or maybe there yeah. is footage. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know.
1: But okay, let me know. Send to it to me. Yeah.
2: Why haven't yeah. we been back?
1: That's a bit weird. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. Yeah. Bit odd. <laughs> and yep. we'll, and nasa's thing is literally like you know like all the research about like the moon landing the nasa's thing is uh you know uh my dog ate the homework you know they literally say oh yeah we have lost all of the records all of the uh yeah we just threw out the videotapes it's essentially saying wow. my my yeah. dog ate the homework is yeah. why we don't have any of that
0: not buying it. All right, that seems a bit
1: odd. It's just like, <laughs> just like yeah, you're NASA. You know, yeah. It was the that, moon landing. I, <laughs> all right, I'm we're right gonna, gonna, we're already uh, gonna get banned. Uh, yeah. This is only the second episode of Come to Where I'm <laughs> From, and we are getting. So we have goes. our, we have our first banned comic coming on the podcast too, <laughs> on Wednesday. Dave Hill. Dave Hill. Aw, so, I Yeah, so we're uh, Craig. Yeah, you we're. I guess we're gonna become controversial.
0: Why is he banned? What's he banned from? He, he was making
1: that. your mama jokes uh, to Trump supporters.
0: Who's what is he banned from Twitter?
3: It's Twitter.
1: <laughs> <Threw him out>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when did uh, what's uh, when did your album come out? 2018, right? Mutual Horse.
0: Yeah, that last one, uh, February 2018.
1: Um, it's great. I love that album. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful songs. Thanks. Um, where'd you get that title? And the cover.
0: Oh, um. Yeah, let's look at the cover. The title. There was this photo in the studio. I I had done this cover of this Chris Williamson song called Midnight Oil. Um. I
1: love that band. Midnight Oil. Oh yeah.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: It's a great band, Midnight Oil. Australian. yeah.
0: Oh, but I don't know. I've never How heard of it. We know when...
1: no, <laughs> Our beds are burning. Yeah, that one, that one, How yeah. do we know when the world keeps That would be straight. the only song you might know. <laughs> 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 they're killer. Let's check them out. Yeah, they're really good.
0: Uh, but I covered this Chris Williamson song for uh, to benefit Standing Rock, and then she and I would become friends, and I don't know how I'd never discovered her before. She's just like this mother of so many different things. And um, and so I just realized she had all these incredible 80s, like cover art, just really badass, weird stuff. And there was one photo of her and this woman holding the reins of a horse. And they're both looking at each other, sort of like lovingly, and the horse is just staring at the camera. <laughs> and somebody <laughs> printed out a picture and stuck it on the wall, and someone else wrote "mutual, mutual horse" underneath <laughs> it. And it was like a joke, and then it right. just like you can't get away from it sometimes, yeah. you know. And now I realize, as I go overseas, when people say it with different accents, that it a sounds mutual like whore? "mutual whores." Sort of what it sounds
3: like. Yeah. When you say it. Well, and also
1: it's also people are gonna be tempted to make like a heroin connection whenever you bring up horse. Yeah. You I realized I mean? that after I got why this. L- <laughs> oh, Was that recent?
0: No, I got this a long time ago. And uh, just because I had a horse. Why but, wasn't
1: nice.
2: that <laughs> photo of the album? Uh,
0: that was um, my buddy David Hochbaum, who I actually, he was a bartender here when I first started having a, a DJ night, um, That's funny. and I thought he was the coolest, and just wanted to be friends with him, and it took years of, like, please be my friend. <laughs> how finally come, how come Dave
1: held out so long? I
0: was just, like, probably, like, 19 and super annoying, and he was, like, you know, I don't know how old he was, probably in late 20s or 30, you know, um, and then we became buddies, and... And I had a record two records before this. There's a record for the Magician's Private Library where there's a little girl and it's his niece. It's the same girl. And she's laying in like a monochrome field sleeping surrounded by arrows. And then I'd watch him make, make this painting and I had a little replication next to my wall hanging there for like a year and a half. And it was the morning after, I couldn't figure out what the cover should be. It like wasn't happening, it wasn't coming to me. And it was the morning after actually Trump got elected that I woke up and looked at that painting and it was the same girl, but now she was older, she was awake, it was color, and she was carrying the weight of this moon on her back, but mm. in like a beautiful, you know, heavy <laughs> sort of way. And I just thought about what this selection was gonna mean for so many young women, you know? And, uh, and you yeah, and then that was that. Was yeah. that. That's beautiful. Yeah, and luckily he's so kind and let me use another piece. you want to f- hold yeah, it up yeah, to I, a yeah. camera Uh-oh.
1: so people can see?
0: Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's an
2: image, like I remember the first time I saw it when I got it from something from your PR person. It was just like a stunning image. Mm, it is. It's yeah, great. his work is beautiful. But th- that's why the mutual horse threw me off. It I know like, it doesn't match. Yeah. Doesn't it? it's confusing. I like I like, it. I, like
1: uh, <laughs> I like things that scratch your brain a little bit though. Like you make you go like hmm. Oh, wonder it why. It makes you think. It does makes make think.
0: you think. Well then, I've done my job.
2: <laughs> you also had. Um, I Just remember you did a session with me at the winery before the album came out, mm-hmm. and Kip Malone was with you mm-hmm. what, is, is he on the album as well Did he do what else did he do?
0: He and I wrote uh, exquisite together i i he's he sang with me on, I think every solo rec- on every solo record I've done, and this was mm-hmm. the first time that I just asked him to write write a song with me. So is yeah, he yeah, t- TV
1: on the radio yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He used to be my upstairs neighbor. I mean, I knew him before that, but for a while he lived upstairs for me in the Astral in Greenpoint and um, was always getting locked out and always asking to climb up my fire escapes. There was just a lot. I think the way he was on the first solo record is one of those nights where I was like playing the song Slow Burn Treason, and he just sat down and just started singing it, and I was like, okay, can you come to the studio tomorrow? (laughs) That's great. But yeah, he's a dear old friend.
1: Who produced this record?
0: Um, I started it with this guy in L.A. who lives in Portland, uh, Matthew Morgan, Um, and then he kind of bowed out. And I had to figure out how to finish it and brought it back to New York uh, and kept working on it by myself and my friend Florent's studio in uh, in Williamsburg. And so I guess between Matthew, myself, uh, Florent Barbier and uh, Jared Samuel, Invisible Familiars, he helped me finish it. So it also felt like this horse that I'd sort of had to like trot all over, you know, to kind of find uh, mm-hmm. a way. It's like a vision I had with a friend who couldn't see it all the way through and i had this like half-baked baby i had Why to no? bring back uh
1: you don't have to get into it
0: yeah it's sort of a little you know. bit of a little meltdown okay yeah. i get it <laughs> yeah i've made art before yeah i love what like, trent Reznor. Is
1: one of the no <laughs> one of the best trent Reznor quotes is uh you haven't really made a good record in, uh, unless you've lost some friends yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> or, i'm paraphrasing he probably said it better than that but yeah no, art, making art, it's its a blood sport for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild. So how long did it, how long did this record take? Like, it's, it's super... Production-wise? Uh, yeah, how long did it take to make the whole thing?
0: We were solidly in a studio for a month. Um, and then by the time I brought it back here, I was sort of working on it like piecemeal. So then it took me like another two months, kind of like here and there, strings, vocals, you know.
1: And there's horns on it too.
0: Horns, yeah.
1: Yeah, like the horns.
0: thanks nice. Flugelhorn. It was my first Where's time. Girl, flugelhorn. The, 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 Maria. Like Maria force Eisen. Of yeah. She's horn a barry player. sax player. She's been playing with me for oh, like a decade.
1: What? There's a, a force of nature horn player.
0: horn player? Yeah. Maria Eisen. She's been playing with me for like nine years. She uh, She and I fell in musical love because we realized we both loved morphine so much and uh oh, yeah yeah the band morphine
1: yeah the band there you go back to back to smack Sharks. with you <laughs> stop being a smackhead.
3: Uh, <laughs> we both loved him <laughs> <laughs>
1: we fell in love because we like to get smacked up
0: the
3: band morphine
1: uh
0: dana collie you know um and all those horns and then and yeah, since then it's just been like, how can I put Maria on more and more and more stuff so that she has to come tour with me? And we did a tour for this record as a trio. It was just me, her, and a drummer. And now she has like a whole pedal board that she's throwing her sax through. Oh, that's cool. Is, yeah. Doing
1: loops and stuff like that.
0: Not loops, but like octaves, and you know.
1: Yeah, that band Morphine's super interesting. I love them. Mark yeah. Sandman, was that Mark his name? Mark Sandman, yeah. R.I.P.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're great. Rocky Erickson just passed away last night, I guess.
0: I don't know who that
1: is. He's a psychedelic legend. Icon. Icon. Musician? Yeah, musician, songwriter. He
2: was married to uh, Amy Rigby, I think. I don't know He's Also a musician. I don't know his
1: personal thing. RMDM covered one of his songs, one of my side bands, with Jeff Amitt and Richard Stuverud. Shout out. (laughs) <laughs> hi jeff hi jeff hi richard hey richard we need to get the band back together <laughs> y'all i've changed
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was his band <laughs> rocky uh, he was just a solo artist mm-hmm. like but like he a- everyone let's look him up to him yeah no uh, he's rocky. it's kind of like uh you know uh reckless eric it's different he's like they're all like here he is Godfathers of everything, singer yeah. songwriter. Kind of looks like the river.
1: Oh yeah, the Thirteenth Floor Elevators. That was the big pioneer psychedelic rock.
2: I'll
0: have to check it
1: out. Yeah, really interesting. Great songs. So, okay. um, and there's that one song called uh, "Golden Spiral." That's uh-huh. like the single, right? I guess so. Yeah. Kind of about voyeurism. Kind of. Yeah. Are you a voyeur?
0: Um not so much.
1: I feel like we all are voyeurs now though. Like we're all like voyeurs and we're all yeah. displaying our well, lives. Yeah,
0: I guess in the in the endless scroll. Yeah, in the endless life.
1: scroll. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Is I wouldn't w- say like I'm looking in people's windows. Right. Per se. I mean, in New York, it's sort of hard to avoid it hard sometimes. to avoid yeah, it Yeah, I was, like, getting water <laughs> last night, and it's like, oh, there's a naked man. <laughs> went to bed, but not, like, trying to, like, right. stare. <laughs> yeah, because
1: there's that line about, like, people having sex. and Yeah, and also, um, I guess you were early inspired by Annie DeFranco. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just, I, uh... I was taking guitar lessons at this little place in Pontiac. I taught myself like as much as I could and I figured I should take some lessons and it's like kind of realizing like, you know, how gay I might be, but hadn't fully gotten there yet. And uh I took this teacher, he wanted to hear some songs I wanted to learn and I took him like an indigo girls song and a Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> uh which one which? For indigo, which one for
2: Sarah. I don't remember
0: what indigo girls song is probably like Virginia Wolf and uh sarah mclaughlin i think it was the path of thorns (laughs) and he said to me have you ever heard of ani defranco i feel like he was sort of um you know realizing myself for me and I hadn't and I went home and called my friend and I was like, have you heard of Ronnie DeFranco? And he's like, yeah, I bought this record called Dialate last summer. And I don't really like it. You can have it. So he brought it over and I wasn't allowed to listen. Oh, that's the other thing. I wasn't allowed to listen to music growing up like secular music. It was either Christian or Motown. So I chose Motown and that's like what I grew up on.
1: <laughs> At least you had Motown. How was
0: Motown? Cause my parents had grown up in Detroit and they yeah, seemingly Detroit. were all right, you know? So it was like oldies seemed to safe. Yeah. Um, so he had to like hang the CD in a bag on the porch and I had to go out and get the CD and I went into my room. Contraband. And I hadn't been writing. Yeah, I was like playing but I wasn't writing anything and I listened to the record while reading the lyrics in my headphones and I was just like you can be this honest. Right. Like I had no idea that you could that say has that.
2: To, uh, fuck you and your untouchable face. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So that that I, I don't think that's a typical like the one before that. Um Out of Range is like uh, like uh what you'd expect from Ani,
0: that Dylan mm-hmm.
2: album, I think she went... It got dark, further. yeah, uh, it was yeah. like,
0: that cover was all like green and black, and yeah. she's crouched over, and...
2: She had the dreads in her hair. I yeah.
0: Think. Yeah.
1: Hey, we need to put a camera on you, too, dude. Uh-huh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs>
2: You can't afford
3: a fourth camera. Yeah, yeah we need a fourth <laughs> camera. Support us on Patreon.
1: Come on, support us on Patreon so we can get Ehud's face up on this podcast too. <laughs> Clearly he's gonna be a co host. <laughs> so yeah, I know I know Ani a little bit. Uh mm-hmm. I was um Mike Napolitano, her uh, I I don't know if they're still together or not, but her babies baby, mama baby daddy. Um mm-hmm. yeah. He produced one of my records. Yeah. Worked with me in New Orleans. Cool. So yeah. I've
0: never met him. I've gotten to like hang out with her a few times now. And, Shout like, out, we're Mike pin and pals. Annie.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would feel like you guys would be good touring companions or something like that. Good. Good show, something like that.
0: Yeah. Put that out there.
1: I just did. <laughs> but, uh, so, how um how did you get into the sound healing?
0: Um you know, I just whew, how did I get into the sound healing? I think it was around so my my mother passed uh I'm sorry. It's all right. Thank you. Um January 24th, 2018. So about a month before this record came out, a record which I dedicated to her. Wrote a bunch of songs about her. Wow! And it didn't know she was gonna go a month before. That's
1: wild. Um, and Did she get through, to hear it?
0: Yeah, she heard some of it. Uh, but she was sick for about seven years. She had a degenerative brain disease, and her her brain was folding in on itself. So it was like the slowest fade, you know. It was like this long uh, her cerebellum had atrophied like years before she wow. actually passed. And um, so that's kind of how I started going home. I didn't. I wasn't really around for about. 15 years I guess or so oh, okay. and then she got sick and uh, I mean I'd go back here and there but I was sort of the black sheep like the expendable you know
1: I can relate
0: gay um, and so yeah I started going back to, to take care of her and mm-hmm. to, my dad was her main caretaker and she was in the house and uh, basically as soon as I'd arrive, he would like leave you know and I was there now doing for my mother the things that she did for me as a child you mm-hmm. know like changing diapers tying her shoes feeding her and um and started to find the music like even after she lost the ability to speak one day i played this song that she and my dad used to sing together and she started singing perfectly and i was like wow. what, what, what you can sing but you can't talk so then we started singing like do you want soup with your crackers or you know what i mean do you want right. like trying to get her to do that and she'd always go to these really high like early Joni Mitchell <laughs> ranges I'm like no, we can find a melody down here to yeah. sing and so that kind of started opening up my eyes you know and um
1: to what sound healing or just to-, to
0: like the power of music and wanting to learn more about how music affects the brain and right. about like you know this this thing that I've been doing for so long I don't really even fully understand the power that's in it or like what that's it's doing and, yeah and it was always something that I sort of did from a very selfish it was something that I got through my, you know, childhood, that I got through, yeah. you know, trauma, that that's I got through abuse, that yeah. I got through. And and I would write to myself, like a lot of these songs are me talking to myself, you know, mm-hmm. and I just really wanted to kind of change, face the barometer out instead of in, in you know, yeah. and um, Ani has that lyric actually that's, uh, I know I need my instrument, but does my instrument need to be mic'd? And that's sort of this thing that I roll over in my head all the time of like...
1: What's that mean?
0: To me, it's just like... um, Do I need to be on stage? Do I need to be, you know... Like, putting out a record is not easy. There's a lot of, like, really exhausting, really soul-crushing stuff Uh, that goes into working with a label, that goes into working with... Just the whole thing. People, and it, it... it's been killing my spirit for a long time and it's gotten yeah. to a point of where it wasn't fun, you know, and yeah. like it was out of control in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah. and, and yeah, I just, I needed some new information and, and when my mom, um, so she went into to hospice, she was in residential hospice of, from November to the end of January and the very very end her stomach collapsed so she had a feeding tube for a few years and her stomach collapsed and they said you can't give her any more food or water um she couldn't have an iv in the arm we could only give her a tiny little sponge with a little bit of morphine on it um and they're like 24 to 48 hours she passed that Or like 24 to 48 she passed that it went on for 17 days that she had just a little bit of morphine um and i sang to her what, is,
1: what does that mean the th- Sorry. The,
0: like they're the, like, she's probably going to die in oh, 24 to 48 oh, okay, hours. Okay. And she okay. just kept going past the time and I nobody see. could figure out why. Uh-huh. And there was really nothing you could do to, to help her or to comfort her yeah. except music. And as soon as I would start singing to her, she couldn't respond to us anymore, but her breathing would regulate, her uh-huh. heartbeat would get steady. If she was in any pain, she would like, you know, relax. And right. so I just sang to her like every day, all day. For about 16 days. And then I wow. started to feel like, um, I mean, not all day, but as much as I could, you know. Uh, I started to feel like maybe it was part of what she was holding on to as well. as like I needed to let her go so that she could go. You know, the doctor would come by and be like, whatever you guys are doing, like having people come by, like it needs to stop. Like you need, like this isn't good for her to right. still be let her go. in this state. So on the last day, I, I didn't sing to her. And we put on some music that was, like, designed to help people transition.
1: Really? Yeah, they some that, some huh?
0: CD that some old family friend from Tennessee, like, mailed. That's and it wild. arrived that day, put it on. And I put on, um, like, a nature show and was just watching that, trying to remember that there was beauty, you know, in the world. And, it's heavy. And just kept telling her, like, I'm here, we're here, you know, it's okay. And then, yeah, and then she she went. And, and I feel like through that whole experience, it's just giving me a different... Now I keep getting sort of presented with these things where um, people are are passing, and uh, and I feel like it's part of my like learning experience here is to help people transition mm-hmm. with music. So that's kind of the information so that I'm you're
1: doing, getting. You're doing helping other people transition as well now. It's sort of then?
0: like these things are coming up. We're like, yeah, I'm about to fly back to San Francisco. A friend there is. Uh, throat cancer and he actually did the same the same program that I did um, but they had to cut his tongue out last August and yes. uh, um, and yeah I'm doing some stuff with him helping him share his story because after years of trying to understand my mom I could understand him perfectly it doesn't take you know he's used to like not being able to speak or having to type things down and I'm like I can I know what you're saying we can we can talk like we can converse wow. and, um, and I actually bought him a guitar and we sat there and he's like, sang along, you know, stand by me with me. And it's just like,
1: so you're a healer.
0: I think that's kind of what Found I'm stepping into. Yeah. Is, uh,
1: you're a healer. And
0: also it doesn't scare me anymore. You know, he has the same G tube that my mom had and I'm like, do you need help? Like it's not,
1: right. I feel like you're we're so separated out. from birth and death. You yeah. know, there's
0: such big, um, businesses
1: death denying culture we live in i guess and
0: like i don't i don't want to be separate from it i don't think that we should be scared of it i don't think that there's anything to
2: i don't
1: believe this is the i don't believe death is the end person personally speaking you know yeah but yeah that's wonderful yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's very inspiring and moving
0: well i mean what else are we here to do you but know?
1: inspire and move each other.
0: Yeah, and just help each other a little. Make yeah. things a little easier, you know? If if me helping you share your story is going to make you feel like you can go, then, like... Fuck's sake. It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> getting <laughs> bright
1: in here, y'all. <laughs> can you it's turn right. the lights down?
0: Let it out.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So... So, what sound? Uh, what's the sound healing school that you're going to, or what?
0: I just did a semester uh, at this place called the Globe Institute because um, a friend of mine had gone through it, and um, it is like a full two year accredited program. The Globe Institute. The Globe Institute. Where's that at? It's in Soma, in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Um, and you can do like the first semester as an overview, which is like the certificate you get. I don't really feel like I'm qualified to do anything, you know, but it was a good overview where like, you know, I got a little piece of that and a piece of this and a piece of that and I can see what I connect with and I can see what I want to learn more about. So Uh I plan to just keep studying so it's all
1: you know. encompassing like mantras this that the like
0: yeah this was it was really intense it was and it's stuff Sound that i've healing. never like you know like we had a whole weekend where we just did these meditations where we went into our endocrine system and how your endocrine corresponds with each chakra you know and getting everything spinning and moving and
1: uh-huh. really i had
0: to do a tremendous what, what's amount the endocrine
1: of endocrine system
0: so you're you're like your glandular system your thyroid your okay. thymus your pancreas your uh what are the other it was like five or six? And that
1: corresponds with the chakras. So
0: yeah, there's different chakras that are connected to your endocrine. So a lot of times when people are getting sick, it's because you have energy that's stuck in your chakras, and the longer that it sits there in your chakra or your uh-huh. ka, your spiritual body, yeah. Um, then it starts to manifest and fester into your physical body and usually okay. it goes through your endocrine and then into your the rest of your physical body. Okay. And so do you,
1: do you practice yoga as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I love yoga. Yeah,
0: me too.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get my kundalini to rise.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> breath of fire. Do you
1: do? Yeah. Do, do you do that? hmm Pranayana breathing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia like twelve years ago. What's that? um you know it's changed at first they said that they thought it was from a depletion of serotonin and so they wanted to put me on antidepressants to treat the fact that i had weakness in my hands like one day after a show at pianos i was like holding a beer uh-huh. it was the jealous girlfriends days and i was holding a beer and just dropped it i just couldn't hold it anymore That's and wild. people were like oh you don't need any more i'm like no i haven't had anything i just right. can't And it kind of got really worse, and I went back to Michigan, and I was seeing all these doctors, and they were testing me for all different kinds of cancers, and I couldn't play guitar. I was getting super depressed, and um, some sports therapist doctor did this test, and was like, oh, you you have fibromyalgia. And at the time, other doctors I went to were like, that's not a real thing. Um, You know, and some were saying it was, and some weren't, and then some were like, you need to go on antidepressants, and that's how we treat this. And I didn't want to go on Uh antidepressants for you know, uh, hands thing. And so that's when I started getting into yoga. Um, And now they've made a new discovery with people with fibromyalgia. They found that they did a test of someone's hands without it and someone's hands with it. And they found that there's like, I don't know how many thousands or ten thousands more, but it's more nerve endings. It's not that I'm actually feeling pain. It's just that I'm feeling more. And so these shunts get stuck open. So I have like a lot of, it's like a head a lot of places where you have your nerve endings, you know, your eyes, the top of your head, your hands, your feet, a lot of times are where I get uh, pain or weakness. Um, but, yeah, the new discovery, which I'm sure they'll discover something new about it in a few years and say, take this pill for that. But right. um, to me, I think a lot of it is also how your body holds trauma. You know, I experienced a lot of trauma, like, from, from birth, really. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like as I work through shedding those layers, I have less... I have less physical pain and less stuff that I'm grappling with in my body.
1: When you say, like, from birth, just, w- did you have a complicated birth? Yeah. What, what
0: happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: <laughs> do you not want to go You uh, don't have to. I'm just curious.
0: I was a meconium baby, uh-huh. which means that I swallowed my own feces in the womb.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I
0: was, and then... Is
1: that common?
0: It's common if there's a trauma during, uh, during like, while the woman's carrying the child.
1: If, she, if the mother has a trauma?
0: Yeah, so, like, around 4th of July, my, they think this is what happened. My dad shot a firework that landed between my mom's legs, and she jumped. And they think that, like, maybe that's when, wow. but usually there's a thing, yeah. Yeah. And, uh... And then I wrapped the umbilical cord around my neck twice and tied it in a knot. Wow! So there's that. So every time she was pushing, <laughs> I was getting pulled back up. And then they finally figured it out. And then they put me in an incubator for like you know a week or something. So I also didn't get that like yummy like first yeah. touch, you know. Yeah. So yeah. like, but there's all these theories, you know, around like so your your birth is like a direct metaphor for how your life is gonna go. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, and also, there's like you know people think that you choose the life that you're gonna have. That you're like, I okay, like I'm gonna go into this. So I think I probably was like, okay, give me this like really give really me, tough one. And then the last stuff. minute, I was like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to do it. And that's so. That's why you became a healer. You know. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> as hell. Yeah. I think. I think that. I think we choose. Ch- we choose everything. Mm mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, healthiest outlook. That's the ho'oponopono in me. The mm. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Because it's all about taking full responsibility of everything that ever comes into your field of consciousness. Mm. So that you never have, like, it empowers you, basically, in if you've been traumatized or come from abusive vibes or whatever, you mm. know. And uh, it's it's a wonderful Philosophy or prayer or something because it does empower you and it does, it's it's a prayer of forgiveness and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, that's so interesting. Did you see Rocket Man, the Elton John movie? Uh uh-uh. uh. It just came out. No. How is it? It's amazing. Yeah? Oh, man. I loved it. I mean, it was. It's Who's playing him? Some amazing guy. I forget his name. <laughs> to, uh, I don't know. I forget his name. No, I I
0: haven't even heard of it. I
1: should look it up. Let's look it up. Um,
0: I watched the Jane Goodall documentary last night.
1: Oh, yeah? Where's that on? Netflix?
0: Uh, Amazon Prime. It's just called Jane.
1: Oh, okay. What's that like?
0: It was so beautiful. Really? Like, whoa. Yeah. She just went and did that. She didn't go to university. Nobody had ever studied chimpanzees before. And she just went and lived in, in Gombe. Yeah. Gumbo. Gumbi?
1: Gumbi. Oh, Taron <laughs> Egerton played him. I it don't know w- it is. Incredible. Great, great movie. But it it you know, it's like all about you know, he came from a real abusive childhood and then just, you know, went about, you know, becoming this like mega rock star songwriter just to get all this love and doing mm-hmm. all this drugs and all mm-hmm. this. It's just a real you yeah, you you might identify. You might oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's a real tearjerker. <laughs> I got to tell you.
0: I'll check it out. Um,
1: that's cool though, the Jane Goodall thing. I Peter Gabriel was into making music with chimpanzees really? for a while. Yeah, he would do that. He would communicate with them with music and you know, just that's jam awesome. with them. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Kinda. I've heard
0: the the elephant music. There's like a sanctuary in Thailand where the elephants make a record every year and then they really? sell it to benefit Yeah, they can hold like they can play xylophones
2: and stuff. Really? <laughs> elephants, I've seen elephants paint, not play, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody I mean, should get the elephants and the why
1: chimpanzees. Why do we think we're the only ones who can
0: play <laughs> instruments? And there was part of the Jane Goodall where she's like, you know, I had to find out, like, how chimpanzees related to humans, which I feel like is such a limiting, like, why not just study them based on relating to everything, but in order to keep getting funding she had to keep finding ways to like relate chimpanzees back to like our human experience what they do oh they make tools too or they make you know like this stuff but i don't know i feel like what you were saying about like questioning things it's just it's a limiting scope of looking at at, at the world of how we have to relate everything to the human experience
1: so How, do you, how yeah, i'm kind of going in five different directions no right but kind of but keep going because i want to get more what you're saying just like like wait what Like, the first thing you said was, like, they keep Uh, having to relate it to what? Like, music? Chimpanzees making music?
0: I don't know about chimpanzees making music, but, like you were saying, I've never seen an elephant make music, but, you know, I'm sure that there's all kinds of animals that could play. Like, I'm sure a a dolphin could probably play an instrument or, uh, you know, just hasn't given the opportunity. Or maybe they have. Well, probably not a piano,
1: (laughs) we need to get underwater uh you know underwater drums <laughs> yeah, there you go <laughs> i just want to hear what it would sound like for a dolphin to start a band with a chimpanzee and an elephant like to me this is awesome like the trio. next frontier that, that's my next backing band.
0: traveling pool <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh, the dolphin. You have to like have a big aquarium on stage uh, the with rider. the dolphin. Like. You know, there's like <laughs> the rider, <Fish laughs> <fish only. laughs> <Here> <laughs> <laughs> peeled shrimp.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> there's like multiple cultures around the world. There's one the dogon in Africa, and then in Peru, and somewhere else where they all have these cave drawings of dolphins coming from outer space, creating water jumping out of their spaceship into the water yeah. and then sharing information. And are there's you like, kidding? No. There's See, a cave wild. in Africa where it's one guy's job his entire life is to guard this cave. And when he dies, another guy is put there to guard this cave. And inside of the cave are these hieroglyphics. Wow. And the stuff that's in there that they were told about the stars of Sirius, yeah. we've only just discovered and proven that it's true.
1: Yeah. That's um, crazy.
0: And the drawings are, yeah, of these, uh, you know, amphibic creatures that have, that breathe air. They're half in water and half out. And you know, their tails wild. are tilted. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like yeah, well, the nature of this reality is just, is just landing. I mean, it just keeps unfolding in wilder and wilder ways. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that Elon Musk thing about this being like a simulation. I mean, because he was saying it on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is like basically the, re- the reason why was because of video games and how it started with Pong. And it was just too, you know, I'm paraphrasing, and this will be like an idiot trying to explain what Elon Musk said. Mm-hmm. But like,
0: started with Atari?
1: Started with Atari, basically. And then, like, you know, and then as video games evolve, they get more and more complex and, like, virtual reality to where soon we won't be able to tell the difference between video games and real life or virtual reality and mm-hmm. real life. Aren't so, we there? So, therefore, we already are there. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore the f- The chances that this isn't already <laughs> virtual reality right. is like yeah. one in billions that it's not and mm-hmm. that like went way over my head the first time I heard it I was just like okay that does not make any sense I don't get what you're saying but the more I would think about that like I would think about it a lot over like a month and then as I would think about it more and more I would think like, you know what that actually does make a lot of sense mm-hmm. so it it takes a minute to really like let that land but once it does it's kind of like okay I mean, who knows? So, yeah, I guess, and lately I've been getting more and more synchronicity, too, like, you know, thinking something, and then a bus goes by with a sign that basically is a direct response to what mm-hmm. I'm thinking, and I know some people would say, yeah, that's called psychosis, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, stuff like that, too, makes me think, like, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what's going on with the nature of reality? Psychosis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What about the jealous girlfriends? I'm just curious. Yeah, let's why talk about that, that. Why did that why did you guys break up? Did, did you just reach a point That's Holly's
1: <laughs> first band, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah
0: um why did we break up well i was doing they were jealous yeah kind of of, (laughs) of. i mean don't name your band something (laughs) that you don't want to manifest saying i was too young to know
1: words are power (laughs) like that's the thing there was so much jealousy it's so true um, it was it's honestly true words Um, are so powerful
0: nobody wanted me doing solo stuff
2: some success with that right
0: yeah i mean we were on a label we had two records we had a third one i have the demos for the third one (laughs) you're a great singer Thank you. And that's a
1: rare thing. Thanks. That's an unusual thing to be that good. Thank you. As a singer. Thank you. So that's why I you're appreciate getting, it. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I, I was doing solo stuff before. That band started because Alex and I made a record together that was supposed to be a solo record, and then at the end he's like, "Let's start a band," and it became the first Jill Scorpion's record. But really, it's a Holly Miranda right. record. The next one was more of a band record where uh, Josh was in the band and we were writing, and then josh who was our drummer uh one day he just started singing at rehearsal and i was like why aren't you singing with me this is you know you have a great voice and so he started learning guitar and he came up to the front and started singing with me and we got a drummer and then it was like a band band um but yeah i always was doing solo stuff and i always planned to do it was two very different you know expressions for me um but everything that i did solo i was always like oh and you have to sign this bail. you know so like when i signed a publishing deal i was like oh and you have to sign the jill's girlfriend you know and like and so i was i had made this solo record with dave Siddick, um and i was shopping that around and in, in my head i was always like oh this will be a good place for the band to you know kind of like always the two were tied to me yeah. but um not everybody in the band seemed cool with me doing solo stuff and after a while i just got tired of uh stroking he goes,
2: off those demos for
0: that kind of no, <laughs> no, there's yeah, I just found that recently, um, but it was fun. You know, I learned a lot,
1: you know, also like bands don't have to be like a bunch of albums. It could just be one or two albums. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like it, like we're all like trained to think bands are supposed to go on forever, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like one or two and that's oh, cool. You're the king of that, oh, know. come on. Joe, Ouch. Joe does <laughs> that hurts. No, in a good way. Oh. Joe does so many
2: projects; it's like. No, but I want point. mine
1: to last longer. No, but it's like y- they reach a point. I've where changed. Call me. It's
3: time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, call call us. Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. Already. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who's um, Jeff? From R- it's R- it's R- Jeff, he's just making fun. They put out
2: two amazing albums, and mm-hmm. he did an album with Fistful of Mercy, and that was an amazing We're album. supposed to do something else. And, and he did eventually. Peter Buck, Arthur Buck, and that was we, an amazing we project. We got and another. The Astronauts, and that was an amazing project. But yeah. Thanks, Ehud. All, all we really need to So-co get a camera on Ehud, yeah. especially yeah. if
1: you're going to compliment me the whole time.
2: And Joe has a new album, a solo album. Come to where
1: I'm from. I want to hear it. Come to i'm from it's good people are saying it's the best thing i've ever made I, I that's awesome it <laughs> but isn't
0: that the point i mean like i don't yeah. want to ever make the same record twice like nah. i want it to be you know if i'm not growing then like what am i doing
1: yeah well i i like the sound healing thing and i'm into that i think like that too like you're gonna like get more and more into that and then all of a sudden incorporate that into the next music probably too and mm. that's going to be real powerful i bet mm. you know
0: yeah i don't know
1: you don't know i know and <laughs> I, i'm just projecting <laughs> okay. who knows or assuming stuff but mm-hmm. i could just see that evolving into like you know because like you said like it is it is i think people don't really realize how difficult it is to make records and put things out like that but then again, everything in this life is difficult. Like not putting out records is difficult, you mm-hmm. know? Just being, you know, leading a life of quiet desperation is also yeah. quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's an easy, I don't think there's any easy way in this world, mm-hmm. you know? But.
0: Yeah, I guess difficult isn't the right word. It's just like, there has to, I don't know, I'm I'm sort of slowly getting to the way that I want to do it you know I gave away so much control yeah so early on I mean I avoided my first record I made was uh, with a major label (laughs) remain nameless Uh, but I didn't sign a contract and I went into the (laughs) studio and started working I was 17 yeah and um, I didn't know that this uh, my sister had made friends with this mafia guy as you um, do
1: as you do Excellent. and
0: I yeah well, I, I should probably shouldn't say his name he's out of prison
1: now yeah let's so, not yeah. let's go ahead and so, we've already done moon landing yeah. and flat earth let's go ahead and avoid mafia uh,
0: but he heard me play <laughs> and he went to this label and told the guy like you're gonna you're gonna work with her basically strong-armed this guy to label nice. to work with me so they never really wanted to work with me they just wow. kind of told they would and so the the handshake agreement that we had was like oh you're, we're gonna start a canopy label for you and all this bullshit they blew up my you know And so they dropped my bass player off at some studio in New Jersey for like a month. And the guy who ran the studio was really lovely and was getting those conversations and then what I thought was happening and was like, you need to register your copyrights and you need to like kind of helped me put things in place for when they tried to screw me over, which is what they did. Um, So they had appointed a lawyer for me because I didn't have any money. And this lawyer was like, don't sign this deal, Holly. Like they're not going to negotiate. They're trying to strong arm me it was like a four record deal with like publishing and merchandising and like, you know, everything and Uh wouldn't negotiate with me. Wouldn't even let me refund them for like the few thousand dollars they'd given to the studio. And, um, so I had to walk away from this record, which I've never heard. It's been locked in a safe since I was 17 somewhere. Um, and then they told me you'll never work in the music industry again. They threatened to kill me. I went back to Michigan for a little while and like hid out for a few months, um, and then he went to prison for extortion. Wow. Um, and then I made a record uh, off of my own and just sold it like at shows and was pressed up, you know, my face on the CD kind of vibe. But that was sort of That's my the one first year. That was one or, before that. Oh, that was before this one. <laughs> I did a couple of those.
3: Uh.
0: I just like did recorded. Did you ever really
2: release any of those?
0: no i mean, sure. I don't want that i want like people write me I'm like where can i find that i'm like i yeah. don't know <laughs> go looking i'm know all it's about summer, like the there. next
1: thing like yeah, you know the past so like bad. people always talk about the past i'm always like you know what i'm into the present yeah you know i'm not really into like throwbacks or uh, that much but maybe the older you get you know the, the line, down the line nice i'm kind of ah. down the line though still and i'm oh. still up into this present moment <laughs> i like the <laughs> present moment
0: Yeah, it sounds so bad. I mean, I was like plugging in an acoustic guitar and recording it into like an 840 GX to like a zip drive. That's what I did that whole (laughs) record on. It sounds and my voice is like, hey, up here. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I don't want to hear that ever, but good luck if you can find it. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs)
1: We're going to look for it now. It's got to be buried somewhere on this flat earth. <laughs> under, under. What's under the i don't there's know the dude. stem it's, like it's all digital it's anyway table. it's just a video game we're in a video game yeah well thanks for doing the podcast yeah
0: thanks for having me
1: you were incredible <laughs> i feel like you uh yeah there's definitely a lot of song lyrics in this <laughs> podcast you know take them yeah they're good Great stories. Thanks. Really appreciate meeting you, too. Me, too. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that's a wrap on Episode 2. Episode 2. Don't forget to find us on... Oh, yeah. Go for it, Ehud. Spotify. Spotify. iTunes. 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 Google Play. Google Play. YouTube. YouTube. YouTube.
2: YouTube.
1: And Patreon. And Patreon. Patreon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Support us on Patreon so we can get... I'm on Patreon too. Oh yeah, and Holly support her. Go ahead, give all your give all your info, give all your like Instagrams. Oh,
0: it's just Holly Miranda. I think all of them are Holly Holly Miranda. Miranda. What's next for me? Uh, I'm gonna start working on a new record. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna start recording some things soon. Maybe in Ibiza.
1: Cool. So no no shows. I want to play tambourine tambourine on it. Yeah. (laughs) Come over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good.
0: Uh, I have some shows in Spain and Portugal. In I love August. Portugal. Me too.
1: Beautiful there. I love it
0: there. And they all solo they assume shows? I'm Port- Portuguese because of my Miranda solo shows. Uh, I think I'm gonna put together an island band and bring it over from Ibiza. I think Daniel Lorca. The uh, healers. How surf? Yeah. Oh, Holly and the healers. <laughs> Holly and the healers. Om <laughs> Namah Oh yeah, let's do let's do a
1: let's like let's take this out with a with a mantra. Which one?
0: Mm. We'll follow
1: you. Ehud, you got to chime in. Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya
0: Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah
1: Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om namah Shivaya om Om Vashivaya, Om Vashivaya, Om Vashivaya, Om Vashivaya, Om. That's
0: nice. Right on.